Well, you ready? All right, let me pray. Father, we just pray that you would be present with us this morning. We pray that we would experience your power, that you would break through whatever's distracting us, whatever walls are up. Just tear them down, God, and let us come into your presence. Let our hearts be open to the instruction of your word. Would you impact us deeply, God? I pray you would even impact that person that doesn't expect anything to happen, God. Just show that you're bigger than our doubts, you're bigger than our worries, you're bigger than whatever we have piled up to do in a single day. You are ready to break through and speak to our hearts, and I pray that that is exactly what would happen. Almighty God, would you show the power of the living Word of God, that you would breathe life into our souls and be with that person that's weary, discouraged, defeated. Be with that person that's energized and ready to serve you, but just waiting to hear from you. Speak to us, O oh God. Please do not leave us in the state that we came in. And may you fill us with your Holy Spirit and with truth. And may we be emboldened, energized, sent out, called, that we may experience the joy of being the people of God and giving our life to eternal things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so we're in our spiritual gift study. We've been at it a while. We've got a ways to go. I hope you're hanging in there. I hope you're not getting too weary of this. Hopefully one of the things we do is doing this a little bit differently than you might have been accustomed to doing is where we're not just doing like a short little run through spiritual gifts. We're, we're camping out really on almost each gift. And I hope that's working out okay for you. I hope every time we come around to this. And one of the things that we're trying to do is rather than just do a quick run through spiritual gifts, we're trying to look at them and kind of say, well, how, how did this gift operate through the scriptures? So please don't think you're only going to get a, a lesson on, on a spiritual gift. We're, hopefully you're going to learn more about your Bible as we go through this. So it kind of seems silly to ask this question, but is God still in the business of healing? Kind of seems silly to ask that question, doesn't it? Does God heal people of sickness, disease, and affliction? Like today, in our world, where we're living right now. One of the reasons the Bible captivates the minds of all those who love it is because it describes a divine being who operates in a realm of power and possibility that rises above the normal proceedings of the natural world and reaches mysteriously into the province of the supernatural. It's one of the reasons we like this book. It introduces us to a great being who is greater than anyone we've ever met and has powers that are extraordinary beyond anyone else. It describes someone that is who's so far above us, so mighty and powerful and smart and wise, that it captivates the minds. Even people who don't believe in the Bible read it and have to ponder the reality of this being that we believe in. In other words, even people who don't believe go, well, if that were true, that would be amazing. And we're saying it is true and it is amazing. 
Isaiah 40, 28 to 30 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Wouldn't you be interested to know someone like that? He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall fall and be, shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So the Bible introduces us to someone who is so mighty and powerful. And it says that he would share of that power and strength to us. And no wonder we're interested in this. Our current study of spiritual gifts given to us by the triune God brings us to ponder this morning the spiritual gift of healing. And I want you to think about that. What do you think about healing? What do I think about healing? And what does the Bible say about healing? And I want you to think. I want us to take a look at that this morning. Number one, there is such a thing. There is such a thing as a gift of healing. There is a spiritual gift of healing. And this gift of healing was operative in the New Testament church. And I believe is every reason to believe and expect this gift to be operative at Webster Baptist Church. This gift of healing was operative in the New Testament church. And I think we should expect it to be operative in our church. In some passages... In one of the passages on spiritual gifts, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it declares that to each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit for common good. Therefore, every Christian has some spiritual gifting. And among those gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 is verse 8 that says, Gifts of healing by the one Spirit. So there's lots of gifts, and one of the gifts mentioned in the Bible, this is biblical, is the gift of healing by the one Spirit. Like the Spirit of God is the one who gives gifts. As God organizes, equips, and gifts local churches to carry out the gospel mission, He sovereignly chooses to gift some believers with a gift of healing. And some of you might be going, ah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. What are you talking about? Are we going to start acting weird around here? Well, I sure hope so. Okay. No doubt you are familiar. No, I'm going, let me skip my notes and went too far. Okay, so. God organizes, equips, and gifts local churches to carry out the gospel mission. He sovereignly chooses to gift some believers with a gift of healing. Okay, so number two. There were occasional supernatural healings in the Old Testament. They were already operative. When sin entered into our world, it brought devastating results such as sickness, pain, suffering, decay, atrophy, disease, And eventually, and always, death. God promised to send a great deliverer who would one day provide a way of salvation from the horrific consequences of sin. Aren't you glad? Me too. So this would include the promise 
of life after death and perfectly redeemed and healthy bodies in heaven. So if you're hurting now, I have great news. One day, by the glory of God, you will be glorified and you will be heaven and you will never hurt again. Pain will be a memory, never again a present reality. Isn't that good? I think that might be why some of you were singing a little while ago. Those kinds of promises given to us by God. Okay? So, this would include the promise of life after death, perfectly redeemed, heavenly bodies in heaven. But hold on. It did not include the promise of perfect health and peace in this life. But on occasion... God delights to supernaturally heal people from their worldly sufferings temporarily to provide proof that he was capable of delivering us from sin and death for eternity. Some God times God heals in a temporal way to make us understand that he can heal in an eternal way. God says, I can do this, so don't doubt that I can do that. So God sometimes acts in supernatural ways and he breaks into history and the ordinary and does something extraordinary. So he does something that's bigger than we could have done or imagined to tell us that his promises he's made to do even bigger and things are believable too. Isn't it cool how God does that? He engages and connects into time, space and history and says, I did this, blows your mind then I can do this that blows it infinitely more. He's just showing us that we are not bound by these temporal things in this temporal world. When God heals, he's saying, I did this, therefore I can do that. I healed your fever, believe that I can heal your entire being. These healings were not only assigned to the one, but temporarily healed, but to the all who need eternal healing. So if God wants to do something supernatural to one here, it's so that all of us can know and believe his promises to heal all eternally. Do you you get that? It's important. If God wants to heal someone, it's so that everyone can benefit and believe in him. Okay, it's not like he's going, well, I picked this one because that's my favorite. He's like, no, the temporal healing is so that you can be eternally healed. Okay? Very important to understand why God might do this. When God heals, he wants to be believed in. Believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. That is the cry of Scripture. Moses healed his sister Miriam from leprosy. God healed the Israelites from serpent bites. Elijah raised the dead, healed the sick. King Hezekiah was healed of disease. Many miracles and healings fill the pages of the Old Testament. So before Jesus came, God was already about the business. Okay, we get that? Number three, God promised a healer of unparalleled power in the Messiah. So God still heals. It was going on in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, he promises the greatest healer that ever walked the face of the earth. 
He promised the Messiah and part of the mission and ministry of the Messiah would be to heal. And Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, it says, The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me. And may I inform you that Isaiah is saying, The most Spirit-filled man ever to walk the face of the earth is coming. And with him comes extraordinary power. So Jesus is the man most filled with the Spirit that this world has ever seen. And In other words, it's kind of like saying, here's what a man could do if he were completely filled with the Spirit of God. Look at Jesus. Here's what the first Adam didn't do. And here's what the second Adam can do. The first Adam failed because he doesn't, didn't walk according to the Spirit of God. And I promise I'm going to send you a man who will walk in the Spirit of God and he will break the curse that the first man's disobedience brought and he will be the obedient man full of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to always think, if you ever know a man full of the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus. And when you look at Jesus and say, here's what a God did through a man who completely surrendered his life and being to the power and presence of God. And Jesus is that man. He's the only one who could do that. He did it for us. And then it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord, why? Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor and has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Jesus was so full of the Holy Spirit more than ever anyone has been or ever will be. And he came with healing in his wings. And Isaiah 53, 4 says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows that we and yet was esteemed and stricken, smitten by God and afflicted by his wounds, we are healed. So Jesus came to heal. And then number four, Jesus' ministry was renowned for his healings. And when you think of Jesus, it's one of the things everybody thinks of. He walked on water and he healed the sick and the blind and the lame. It's one of the things he's most known for. He was renowned for his healings. In Matthew 4.23, describing his ministry from its inception, right after his baptism, he began his ministry. In Matthew 4.23, it says, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, along with that, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and all they, and they brought him all the sick, those who afflicted, were afflicted with various diseases and pains, those who were oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. So the healing ministry of Jesus permeated his life and ministry. And no doubt you're familiar with the ministry of Jesus, healing the blind, the deaf, the crippled, those who could not speak, those who had leprosy, he even raised the dead. And John the Baptist announced Jesus to be the Messiah, but he even wanted to make sure he had not been mistaken. So he sent a messenger to ask Jesus, are you the one? Like John stood up and said, he's the one. And then he baptized him. And then a little bit later, he's like, he's not, I don't know that he's necessarily doubting what he was feeling. He just wanted confirmation. He thought, Jesus, maybe you'll just straight up tell me. I'm pretty sure. I believe in him. I know he's a man come from God. Are you that one? Are you that unique, specific one? The one, the only one, the one, the one who was promised, the one who's going to save and deliver before I die and lose my head. Would you mind telling me if you're the one in whom I put all my hope and trust before I leave this world? And Jesus basically said, yes. Yes. 
he said, Jesus listed his miracles as proof that he was the one. In Luke 17, Luke uh, uh, 7 rather, it says, um, Jesus, in that hour, Jesus healed many people of disease and evil spirits. And on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. In other words, John sent someone to say, is Jesus the one? And then Jesus did some miracles. And then he said, go tell him what you guys just saw. He said, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them, and he blessed, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Still seems like a pretty good strategy to ask. Is Jesus among the people at Webster Baptist? Is Jesus at work in the world today? Does God still do miracles? It was kind of sad if everybody goes, well, yeah, I hear it. I hear so. I've heard. I'm not real sure. And number five, the early church experienced supernatural healings as part of their ministry and to testify to the power of the resurrection. So it was part of Jesus' ministry. And now the early church is part of their ministry. To testify to the power of the resurrection. The Bible tells us in in Acts that the Holy Spirit would be given those who would testify to the resurrection. And one of the ways and one of the gifts and the giving also, the same Holy Spirit will not only empower people to do evangelism, hospitality, giving, faith, all the listening of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that He will do to testify, everything the Holy Spirit does is to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? The Holy Spirit's job, his favorite job. He has many jobs, many assignments, many responsibilities. Do you know the favorite work of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate Jesus and the power of his resurrection? He loves, let me just put it this way. He loves to shine the light on Jesus. Holy Spirit absolutely loves, that's his favorite work. He's going to watch this. I'm going to shine the light on Jesus. And he doesn't use a little flashlight. He cuts on the stadium lights. Sometimes there's a little flashlight, but sometimes he cuts the stadium lights on. And everybody can see. And the crowds cheer and roar because they see the glory of God. And sometimes that's what God does in the midst of a service or in the midst of a great gathering. And people are like going, I don't see so clearly. And all of a sudden the stadium light comes on and he does something extraordinary and glorious. And all of a sudden the roar of the crowd and people are celebrating and worshiping Jesus. Don't, don't, don't you want to celebrate like that? Like, no, nah, just give me a flashlight or a match. Why would you want a match when the stadium lights? It's just going to hit on this Holy Spirit. It's just like hits one button. It hits the stadium lights. All of a sudden, out of the darkness, glorious things. And everyone is worshiping and cheering and shouting and celebrating the goodness and glory of God. Isn't that that what you want? Does the Bible, am I being unrealistic? Does the Bible not give us some reason to expect? This kind of glory that we can see? Is this just, am I off base? Am I misreading this book? You tell me. Who's misreading this book? You or me? If we're not on the same page, then you just tell me which one of us is misreading this book. You say, well, you're out in la-la land. Well, my friend, I like it out there. Because that's where I met Jesus. And I started to believe. You know, the Bible says, I forget who it was that said it. 
But the, there was somebody that said something along these lines. I think it was, um, there was an old revivalist preacher named Leonard Ravenhill. And he made a statement that said something like this. Watch out for some young person that reads this book and actually believes it. How about that? Watch out, my friend, for the church that reads this book and actually believes it. They don't always have theology classes. They have living, the living Christ in their midst. And so that's kind of what I want. God help us. The early church experiences. Healings began to be part of the apostolic ministry even as early as the disciples were being trained and prepared for ministry by Jesus. In Matthew chapter 10, 1, it says, He called him to him the twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. So how are they going to know if the kingdom kingdom of heaven was at hand because they were healing the sick raising the dead cleansing lepers casting out demons we tell people the kingdom of God is at hand do we have the other part I hope and pray so seems like a package to me so healings are a part of the early church and the resurrection community. Not only the apostolic ministry and discipling, disciple training of, training of the disciples and equipping them for ministry, it was part of the early church. In Acts chapter 3, 1, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth, he never walked, or at least without some kind of hobble or cripple, he had been lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple. This is Acts 3, after the resurrection of Jesus, after Acts 2, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And it says that there was a man lame from birth being carried, and whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, called Beautiful. He went there as people would go to ask alms, entering the temple. And Peter said, the man said um, he asked for alms, or they thought he was wanting money, because that's all he had ever gotten. And Peter says, I, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Nazareth, rise up and walk. You want money? Or you want to be healed? And I figure that's a question we need to ask. So which one are we after? We want money? God bless me? Bless my business? Help me to pass my test? Give me success in this world? Or heal me? Now which one are we going to choose? Because God can, do, God can do both, but the real issue is, is my heart after God? Then we better start asking Him to do some things that testify to His presence in our midst. And He took Him by the right hand and raised Him up, and immediately His feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, He stood and began to walk, and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw Him walking and praising God. 
Acts chapter 5. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done. Many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people of the hands of the, at the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico, which is a place at the temple. None of the rest dared join them. Like there's some weird stuff going on over there. But the people held them in high esteem. It's like, well, I don't know what's going on. I'm not getting too close. But I hear some, I hear these stories. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Like an explosion of power resulting in many conversions, multitude of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by at least came by, at least his shadow might fall on them. The people were gathered for, from all the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Wow. Acts chapter 8. Now those who were scattered about went about preaching the word, like as the Christians, all the Christians were scattered, and they were so sharing the gospel everywhere they went. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, proclaimed to them Christ, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. When they heard him and saw the signs that he did for, what signs? For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many people and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And verse 8 hilarious. There was much joy in the city. <laughs> Why? Yeah. The most extraordinary things that were ever happening were happening. And there was much joy in the city. In Acts chapter 28, 7 and 9, Paul has this, a similar experience. And in the neighborhood of that place where lands were belonging to the chief men, he was on the Isle of Patmos and on his way to Rome in prison or um, chained and going to prison. And he's on this island and this leader, the town leader, Publius, who received us and entertained us us hospitably for three days. It happened the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hand on him, healed him. When this took place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases came and were cured. So number six, supernatural healings. Now, you may have been with me through one, two, three, four, five. Now here's six. Supernatural healings are an expected part of the life and ministry of the church until Jesus returns. All right, I'm pushing you, aren't I? Supernatural healing. For those of you who take notes, I'll go real slow. Supernatural healings are an expected part of the life and ministry of the church until Jesus returns. Returns. That's not a true false question. I think it's a biblical expectation. And I'm not sure if we surrendered to it because we're afraid if we commit to it. Well, what happens if we don't see that? I think it's a fear in us. I think we're afraid. To say anything like that because we're more comfortable not entering into the realm of the supernatural. We're just more comfortable. We're comfortable, Pastor. We're comfortable at church. We like our songs and we love VBS for our children. But let's don't let people know we're crazy in here. 
I think it's fear. It is for me. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, To each believer is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, and among the gifts mentioned is verse 8, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. Here is one way healing, the gift of healing is described. Healing, the God-given special ability to serve and strengthen the body of Christ by healing and restoring to health beyond traditional and natural means those who are sick, hurting, and suffering. People with this gift believe firmly that people can be supernaturally healed, pray specifically to be used by God to heal others who fully realize that healing occurs only by God's divine permission and view medicine as a means God may choose for healing, but also embrace the gift of healing as from the hand of God and as a specific way to give Him glory. So in short form, healing is the ability, the gift of healing is the ability to pray for and intercede for others' healing. In Psalm 103, 1-3, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquity and heals all your diseases, who redeems you from life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, that your mouth is renewed like the eagle's. The ability to call on God, it is the ability to call on God to heal the sick through supernatural means or the, of the purpose of, for the purpose of revealing God. Those with this gift of healing trust that God can heal the sick and pray in faith for the physical restoration of those in need. These people see healing as a sign that God uses healing to reveal His power to people so that many may come to believe in Jesus and people with this gift... Do not see someone healed every time they ask, since healing is something that God alone decides to do. So, the New Testament never suggests that everyone will be healed, but that some will be healed. Not for the comfort of the afflicted, but for the salvation of the lost. You understand that? We're not saying that we're going to start having uh, healing services every Sunday and people are going to come in here. But my friend, are we not to ask and are we not to engage and are we not to believe that God is going to? He will move among some and He will bring glory to God so that all of our faith may be boosted and so that all of us may see the mighty works of God so that all of us have something fresh to say about my God is still at work. And He didn't heal my affliction, but I know that He's healed others. And He chose for whatever His sovereign reason might be to leave me in affliction because I know He had a lesson for me to learn and I want to surrender to His wise counsel. But there are also people who I know that the lesson He wanted our church to learn is that our God still heals. Can we not marry those two concepts together and leave into the hands of God sovereignly what He has said? Let Him choose who He heals and won't. We won't get mad at Him. We won't say, well, you must not be living right, my brother, or He would have healed you. That's evil when people say things like that. I think what His Word to say is like God sovereignly chooses and we want Him to do some of these things in our midst. And boy, would it not it fire us up. Church elders are supposed to pray for the sick that God might heal them. 
It's a command of God upon the elders of this church. In James 5, 13 to 16, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. And prayer, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will forgive. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So in the mix of this is that the church ought to be pulling the oil out. Okay, and I'm going to admit, it's been a dry well. I'm just going to say, I'm sorry. It's been a dry well. I'm sorry. But we're going to ask God to lead us and guide us in all the gifts that he is blessing our church to have. There's a few common errors I want to just mention. And the first error is that healing have, has, heal, the healing times have ceased. That's a lie. There's another error that sometimes conflicts people and it says, well, don't believe it unless the doctor verifies it. How about we believe it if God verifies it? And the doctor will verify many things. There are many miracles, many, many miracles that are verified. And doctors scratch their head and go, I'm going to tell you, my book doesn't give me an answer for what just happened. I don't remember that course. There are many doctors, many doctors who aren't even believers who will say, I can't answer this. It had to be the hand of God. I've heard that. I've heard stories like that. And also it needs to happen at, there's some people say it needs to happen at a church service or a healing service in order to glorify God. It can happen anywhere he wants, right? If I'm the one that's being healed, it's like, Lord, I don't care. I can be underwater if you want it to be. I don't care. I can be on an airplane. I can be in a bed. I can be walking. I don't care. If you want to do something extraordinary, do it. And let us just praise him. And also some people go to the extreme and say, well, Christians should never use a doctor but rely upon God. And that's hooey. That's just hooey. Why don't we rely on God? God's gifted doctors. We got some doctors in here. I'm so thankful for you. And believe me, I call upon you when I'm sick. But that doesn't mean we can't ask the doctor to do what a doctor can do and then ask God to do what a doctor can't do. That's the approach we take. And God's, and then there's some people that say God's will is that you have perfect health and sickness and that it's a sign of a lack of faith if you don't. And that's not true either. So do you have this gift? Do you have a deep compassion for people who are sick? Do you have a deep conviction that God can heal anyone, anytime that he chooses? Do you enjoy praying for people who are sick? Have you seen God heal someone? When God heals someone, do you get excited because it helps to reveal his power to others? Do you long for the coming of God's kingdom when there will be an end to sickness and sin and all its effects? So here's one I want to say in closing. I wanted to say a lot more, but I want to say this. Um, I just want to ask you right now, um, I just want to ask you, let us believe God to do more than we've been asking Him to do. And we're going to pray right now, and there may be someone in here right now sick, and we're going to start today. We're just going to start today. I know we have people that have operations coming up. Um, I know we have a few people that just had operations. And I know that we do. And I know we passed a list around. And I guarantee you, if I look at that list around, some people's names were put on that list who were saying, pray for this person who has cancer. Pray. And we're going to keep doing that. And we've been doing that. But we're going to ask God to display His glory more prominently and prevalently in a way that goes beyond what we've been experiencing. And we're going to call upon God. And we're going to ask God to bring healing. And we're going to ask Him to teach us how to go deeper in this. Just like we talked about deliverance when we 
got to that one, we're going to ask, we're asking God through this series to teach us how to do. We're going to combat evil forces and we're going to ask God to do these things. And you go, where's this going? Because uh, we're going to be talking about speaking in tongues and prophesying. You're going, oh my goodness, my, I'm spinning around and around. Well, all I just know, if God comes, it'll work and it'll be all right. You want God to come? You want God to come to our church? Then we need to be open up and just say, Lord God, we just need you to move and help us forgive us for our lack of faith and our excuses and the things we keep saying. Is, well, I don't want to go to a church that does stuff like that. Well, then you just go to a plain old Joe church. I don't want to be that. I want to experience what God teaches in his word and can be part of the life and community of a Christian faith. So we're going to pray right now, and then we're going to sing a song. And I just want to pray. I'm just going to ask you to do something right now. If you're in this room, if you're in this room right now, and we're singing and we're praying, and there's some physical affliction, and you just just say, Lord, I just want you to help me. I just want your presence. You've got an operation. Does anyone in here have an operation coming up? I know we've got some who do, yep. Is there anyone who's got something going on, and you're just... Um, you've just been praying for a long time. I, I just want you, I just, wanna, I just want us to ask God to do whatever would please Him. And along with that, I believe He can heal. And maybe He's just do some things. It could be, God knows what's best for you, right? And it could be for you, He's got you exactly where you want to and he has an affliction you're going through and that's part of your story and bringing honor and glory to God. You just keep doing that. But there's nothing in the Bible that says you can't ask. There's everything that says ask. And so we just want to do that. So we're going to sing a closing song and I just want to thank God that we have such a great God. And folks, here's what we're, here's what we're really asking. Lord, do anything and everything that will reveal your power in such a way that people will come to put their faith in you and forgive us for our little faith. Enlarge our hearts to see your power and glory in fresh ways. And maybe through we go through this series, God's just beginning to lay on many people. So I'm hearing rumblings. I really am. I'm hearing rumblings. I hear people telling me things and they're thinking along the same lines that I feel like God's speaking in my heart. I hear rumblings of good things that God wants to do in our church, okay? So let's pray and then we're going to sing. And if you have something, you want someone to pray with you this morning, then just come up over here to this corner over here to me and we'll pray with you. And there's any elder or anyone else wants to be part, you just come over in this corner and just say, I just really want someone to pray with me this morning. So let's pray right now. Our Father, we thank you. Um, many of us have been at this a while and we feel like there's just so many things we still want to learn and know. There's so many things missing in many of our experiences. And we always go, oh, to live in the day of the early church. Lord, this is that day. This is the day of the early church. This is the last period of time from the resurrection of Jesus until the coming return of Jesus. We're in that period. These are the days in which you promise to do extraordinary things. And we want to believe in you for it. This is the day and the time when the kingdom of heaven is near. Jesus has risen from the dead and wants to do extraordinary things and save many people. We want to see many people come to faith. And maybe today you're believing in Jesus right now 
as an outworking of the Holy Spirit speaking into you that you need to put your faith and trust in this great God. And if that's the case today, then I, I implore you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ right here, right now, and be saved and say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. I believe in you. I want to be yours and I want to walk with you, trust you, and learn to live the Christian faith. Open your heart to Jesus right now and do that. And I pray for all who are here. Stand with me if you will. I pray for those who are here. And Lord God, to my left and in the middle and to the right, I pray for your healing power to do anything that would bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. I pray for those who are sick and those who have affliction and those who've carried a burden. Oh God, if it would be your will, if it would please you and glorify your name, and if it would excite us, we need some initial burst of power to help us to believe these things. We're trying. Help, we believe, but help our unbelief, Almighty God. And this day we call upon you in the name of Jesus Christ to do things in our midst that we're not accustomed to so that we can tell the world that our God is alive and well. Hear our prayers, oh God. Jesus name and I invite if you would like to come and pray then please come to this side over here and we'll pray with you right here right now in Jesus name amen